0: What's up principals and welcome to the principal crew podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. You know me. I'm a principal. I'm your host. And this is the podcast that drops two episodes a week, one on Wednesday, one on Saturday, just trying to put a lot of content out there for principals because being a principal is fun and exciting and awesome. And it also can be isolating at times and uh, just love having these 30 minute ish Conversations with other amazing leaders from around the country that I'm learning from, and that I hope that you are getting some learning from as well. And today, our guest is gonna bring it. I know she is. I got Trelane Clark in the house. Trelaine, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Adam. It's pronounced Trelaine. Trelaine. Times it can be tough for folks, but it's really actually very simple. Trelaine.
0: Trelaine. 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 Yeah. Well, Trelaine, tell us about yourself, where you're from, where you work. Kind of give us the lowdown.
1: Okay. Well, I am a born and raised Bostonian, Boston, Massachusetts. As you can, you know, there's uh, definitely uh, uh, some thoughts people have about Boston, but it is a great city. <laughs> Um, and I love it here. Um, so I am currently uh, a mom of two. I have a 17-year-old and an almost 7-year-old. Uh, so that's my first job. And then every other day of the week, I get to serve as a an elementary school principal in Chelsea, Massachusetts. And I am a pandemic principal. So I just started July 1.
0: Dang. So... I mean, every principal is a brand new principle this year because <laughs> of the pandemic. But like you're new and you're new, so you don't really know what else to expect. <laughs> so I, I just want to tell you, my, my, my Boston experience, I ran the Boston Marathon in That's 20, so yeah, in 2018, which was the worst weather in like 50 years. Wow. They had more, more people with hypothermia. They had to open up churches along the way because the aid stations. I don't know if you remember, but like, I mean, Boston Marathon's huge, yeah. and people come out, and um, there were not really a lot of people out there. It was. Uh, I finished. It was fun, but I need to. I need to go go back to Boston when it's not. Uh, well,
1: come on back. We love to have you.
0: Yeah, when it's not bad weather. So yes. <laughs> tell us what what's your biggest challenge this year as a new principal, but then also as a, you know, to your words, I think it's perfect, a pandemic principle, just w- what are your challenges just kicking it off this school year?
1: Well, um, there are several, and I always like to think of challenges as uh, opportunities. Sometimes when we say that word, you know, we think of it as something bad or, 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 or negative or and actually feel like the challenges are, are actually the work, right? So, because everything is not going to be or supposed to be easy um so i have several which i think are all really good one of them is that um i am coming behind a principal who was at the school for 16 years so well beloved uh folks very accustomed to that person's ways and uh, and leadership style. Um, so that in and of itself brings a host of challenges to come behind that person. And she's amazing, I to have a relationship with her, which is wonderful, um, but it's still tough because change is hard, right? And, and people really have to um, get to the place where they're willing to accept the change and look at the ways that they have to change in order to actually deal with the changes that are inevitable, right? Um, And then I guess the second biggest one really is just not being able to see the kids, my district is fully remote right now. Um, And as much as I can I get on and hop on to classes and talk to kids and say hello to kids but it's just not the same. (laughs) Um, Seeing them in the morning and giving them high fives at the door and popping into classrooms, um, you know, in in person is, is definitely not. The same, so um, so that's a challenge in terms of building relationships with kids, not only with kids but also with teachers, right? Um, just being able to have that that in the moment dialogue um, is is tough. So, but we're doing the best that we can, and um, we're working working through it.
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's a good point. Like, some people think, wow, well, I can't build relationships or I can't connect with kids because they're not in the building or it's so much harder. And you know, I love what you said. About well, like yeah, you do what you can, and you hop on their classes, and you and you still chat with them. And I mean, my experience is I'm back in the principalship as of three weeks ago, and in, in California, like you in uh, in Boston, we are fully remote, and. I've only been there 3 weeks but I've already connected with the kids by by reading stories to classes and uh, I've done some publishing parties and hopping in some Zoom breakout rooms so it's not what I'm accustomed to to my previous principal life but it's it's still attainable I mean it's still it's it's smaller steps towards the relationship but you're still moving forward so I think so much of it is just having that positive mindset. So, I want to talk about equity. Um, you know, if anybody follows you on Twitter, uh, if you're not following Trelane <laughs> on Twitter, follow her on Twitter. Uh, it's Trey Clark leads because uh, you're going to get a lot of awesome stuff. Uh, and you've been making the podcast circuit lately too. <laughs> My friend Sarah Johnson, she's like a really good friend of mine. You are on yes. the In Awe <laughs> podcast. So, talk talk about equity and then also from a lens too of right now where your kids are not in person Mm -hmm. what are you doing or what can other leaders be thinking about when approaching equity when kids are not in the building and you really don't know maybe we don't know what their home life or their situation is and they're not turning on their zoom camera and we really can't connect it's equity is a challenge and something that I believe should be on the forefront of all leaders brains, but especially right now, kind of what's your approach? What are some strategies? What are you thinking about that you would tell other leaders?
1: Yeah, such a huge and important question, um, which is part of my day to day. So I mean, first of all, equity is, you know, the, the definition, giving making sure that everyone has what they need in order to be successful. Um, and if you continue to think about it that way then you're on the right path um, so th- this this pandemic as we know has basically highlighted all of the inequities right Healthcare, education you know uh, uh, employment like every single thing is just on blast um, our awareness of, uh, of of systemic racism is right there in front of us now if you choose to you know, believe that that's true, then you can do some work. If you don't, you have a lot of work to do. <laughs> um, but um, when it comes to our to our to our babies in schools, um, I think that one of the most important pieces is that relationship building, um, and really and truly, the teachers are, are the are in control of that, right? Um, and actually, because they're in the homes of these kids now that relationship building with the families is so critical um, and and being able to keep the dialogue open as much as possible. Um, As a school and as school districts, we have a responsibility to make sure that students got what they needed in terms of technology. And that was very challenging. Um, one, obviously, districts had to purchase <laughs> new technology. Um, folks were waiting because ev- everyone was waiting for Chromebooks to come, for hotspots to get there, and that kind of thing. Um, but what it really reminded us of is of how inequitable our system is because so many families did not have access to internet. So, um, so as a, as a. As an educational entity, we have to look at every single aspect of how we deliver instruction, what we're, uh, what resources we have on hand to do that, um, and then what are we using curricularly in order to make that instruction relevant for kids. Um, and and it's it's important to me that you know we look at, we have to look at each thing. Um, and it's in its own bucket, but also still how they're all connected to one another. Um, So, you know, yes, you have to build those relationships, but you also have to make sure that what you're saying is actually going to be relevant to kids. So you have to find out who they are, right? You have to know, okay, I know that this child loves, you know, Fortnite, right? Once you find that out, you know, how can you gamify some of your instruction? And it's not about doing every single lesson you know, in in that particular way. But it's like, what are those areas where you can connect so that that child is getting what that child needs? Um, And then nine times out of 10, you're gonna have multiple children who are going to be, who are gonna need that same strategy and that same approach. We are looking at um, uh, we're reading culturally responsive teaching in the brain, Zaretta Hammond's book, um, which you know many people are, are, have read or are reading, and, and recognize how phenomenal it is, and helping us to understand how uh, how how that approach uh, is is brain based, right, and how that actually the, the the students are bringing all of who they are, right, and and the ways in which their brain works are connected to the cultures that they that they belong to. Um, and it's important that teachers recognize that not only for students but for themselves right because this is an exchange. Sometimes I think we forget that we're we're, we're teaching children we're not just pouring uh, it into them but they're pouring into us too. and we have to be receivers of that and that's where the, that's where everything just kind of comes together in this nice little package but it's work. It's work it is work that you have to be willing to engage in for the benefit of kids and once that happens, that's when I think the true equity dream is realized.
0: Yeah, the equity dream uh, Charlene, there's some of the things you said there. I love that you said Fortnite, because <laughs> a lot I think a lot of people overlook those those things. I remember when I was a principal previously I had a student who was just kind of on the on the behavior train and in my office four or five times a day you know i had to give this student like four or five new chances every day well i found out that he liked minecraft so i downloaded (laughs) my (laughs) yeah so i downloaded minecraft on my phone it was like six dollars and his teacher sends him up and my phone's on my desk and it's open to the minecraft app and he goes you play you play minecraft and i was like well yeah a little bit like i had never done anything with a minecraft right, right. and i'm like oh do you like minecraft and his whole his whole demeanor changed he starts talking about it i was like all right deal if you get you know 45 minutes of positive behavior in classroom you can come up and play 5 minutes of minecraft with me on my phone bam the rest mm-hmm. of the year was not perfect mm-hmm. but it was so much better because you connected with him and i can remember too my first assistant principal job. I was an assistant principal in a community that was 80% Indian, people from India. And that was a new experience for me. And I learned that I had to learn about that culture from an equity standpoint and how to pronounce names that I was not used to and like practicing that. And it, it went so far because families would say, oh, wow, you say that, you know, so smoothly. Um, And that's not in a book. It's just like relationship building. You recommended one book. Um, What would be another book? Because I feel a lot of new books are being read, which is important. Since the murder of George Floyd, people have, it's been an awakening Um, finally an awakening in our country and a, a positive out of that horrific situation, ordeal and murder was that people are like, oh, and they're reading new books to maybe awaken and see what has been happening for far too long in our country. What other books have you read or would you recommend to... Educators, leaders, or just human beings—that they read, kind of in in conjunction with that equity piece.
1: Um, So I'm going to give you a couple. Sure. So I'm going to start with go go back a little bit. Uh, You were talking about names, and we were talking about this before before we actually started around um, names. And so yes, I have a unique name, um, and my name gets slaughtered, (laughs) gets misspelled, it gets um, it gets uh, you know mispronounced uh, many times, and um, one of the things that has been that's very connected to to that equity piece is learning students' names, um, and as a teacher, it was something that I was always very insistent about because I have a name that is often mispronounced and misspelled. Um, but as an adult, I came across a uh, an educator uh, named Huda Isa. I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, she's a, a wonderful educational consultant, and um, she wrote a book called Teach. Teach us your name. Uh, and the book basically talks about how people misspelled uh, and mispronounced this child's name, uh, which was her experience. Um, but she has a really great TED talk where she talks about that. Um, I've recommended that to teachers and they have the, the students have just loved and enjoyed that book. Um, but it really is a foundational piece to that relationship, to understanding uh, and, and building equity within the classrooms. Um, another one that I've recently read is Cast, Isabel Wilkerson. Um, it's, a, it's a heavy read, but it is a very important read in this time. She is masterful. Um, she's a journalist, and so her writing read, reads like, you know, sort of a news article, but it has this historical uh, angle to it. Um, it's definitely a book that's right here for the time that we're in now. She, she writes it as if Literally, we're sitting next to her having a conversation um, about some about the, the idea of, of our society as a caste system, and she doesn't even use the word racism in that entire book. Mm. So it's so it's very very unique, um, and I think it's it's definitely a conversation um, starter. Um, so, um, so there's two. I um, think that's probably probably the most recent ones I could
0: think of. Cool, yeah, I don't I don't know cast. I'll have to check that book out. I love yeah, it. I love best seller
1: now.
0: Yeah, I love I love those recommendations. All right, what is your approach to being a principal and having a family? And I I I, I don't use the word balance because I think balance is it's it may be I would say an overused word in our society <laughs> because we times are different so what is your approach to being a principal and having a family and having a life and friends and and not being a workaholic and always on so you feel like you're doing your best at whatever you are trying to do and support in your life what is your approach to all of that
1: oh it is a daily, daily conversation that I have with myself, um, but also a weekly conversation. And I say that because, um, you know, on Sundays, I kind of, you know, as a teacher, you know, you traditionally say, okay, Sundays is my planning day. I'm going to, you know, get myself set up for the week. And I've always kind of done that, um, even as an assistant principal and a principal, just kind of looked at my week and said, okay, what are the things that I need to try to accomplish this week? Um, And so, I, I've, I've come to really working hard to not work on Saturdays um, and that then gives me some margin with my family um, that often goes extends to Friday night really because you know Friday you're, 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 you're like you're done <laughs> you know you're mentally done you're physically exhausted um, and so just having that disconnect um, one of the things that I've taken to doing which is um, I I don't know how intentional it it was, but uh, my daughter, as I said, is almost seven and uh, she's very insistent upon having her mommy time. And so she has taken it upon herself to really help me to get that time with her and to to, not to balance, but to make sure that that's in there. Um, And so she has her little ways (laughs) of doing that. So that's really helpful. my approach is you know when i'm when i'm at work i am i try to be fully present everything that i'm doing is about what i have to do for kids and for teachers um and you know it's 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 never It's it's not supposed to be easy, right? But I think that making, um, being intentional about what I want to do during the work day while I'm there, um, and when I say there, being whether I'm in the building or if I'm at home, um, is 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 really helpful. But it is it's constantly something that I am working on as especially as a a new principal.
0: Yeah, no, I think it is something that you have to constantly think about. It's not something. It's work, like you said. Everything takes work and I think employing your own children is smart. My own kids will be like, Dad, put your phone down. Well, like, I mean, case in point, like, we're on two weeks vacation now for the holidays. I turned off my email on my phone for work yeah. because if something big happens, the superintendent's going to call me.
1: Exactly.
0: You know, and, you're going to get those little emails coming in and you're just, and you're going to look at them and you know, yeah, like next week I might, I might peek at my email for work on my computer, but it's not on my phone right, and right. my phone's on me all the time. I was talking to a principal a couple of weeks ago and they said, you know, don't hang out at the copier. And I, I so agree with that because it's not saying don't build relationships and talk to people, but don't spend 45 minutes at the copier, that's the analogy, so, like to your point, be intentional, be at work, get work done, have fun, connect, build relationships, all those things that leaders should be doing, but just don't be all lollygagging, I right. guess because you know, <laughs> get out and then go and go home and then and then disconnect. What is your favorite interview question to ask candidates?
1: Oh. great one. Um, Let's see. I think one of them is probably probably my favorite one actually is describe a scenario that highlighted a strength of yours and conversely describe a scenario that highlighted an area of growth. How did you address it or how will you address it moving forward? I intentionally leave that question open ended um, because I want People to think about it beyond just the scope of education. Um, So it's really interesting to see the the responses that candidates give. Um, And sometimes they'll say, you mean in the classroom or in teaching? And I'm like, whatever feels best to you, right? Um, Because I'm really trying to get a sense of who they are as a person um, and how they they approach uh, uh, challenges and, and also to really get at that piece around feedback and reflection. Um, I'm really listening to see how they employed someone else's feedback or how they, uh, how they will uh, adjust themselves uh, moving forward. So it's a very interesting question to listen to responses. Yeah.
0: Well, those open-ended interview questions are kind of like the open-ended questions that we would ask our students. Don't give them a, a, you know, choose A, B, C, or D, because then you're kind of putting them, no, you're putting them in a box. and. You know, I think the ones that are the unorthodox question. I, I hate like being on interview panels, and then you can tell that the the questions have been copied like seventy five times. You gotta, hey, it's, kids are different. The world's different. We got to be asking different questions of our candidates so we see are they ready to connect in a Fortnite, TikTok, <laughs> Minecraft world with our with our kids. So, if you could choose one job to do for a day what would it be and why? And if you could choose a job to do for a year, what would it be and why?
1: Oh my gosh, okay. My we
0: idea. don't ask easy questions here on the Principal <laughs> <Apparently. crew> Podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, put us on a spot, will you? Okay, um, wow, a job for the day. Hmm. <sighs> Oh my goodness, or a year. Okay, so for a year, let me go to the year first. Um, I think that I would love to be, um, this is really major, the the US Department of Education, Secretary of Education. (laughs) I say when I grow up, when I grow up. I think that position particularly, um, I would just want to really get a sense of what does education look like across the country and in every sector, every type of school and what is it that is making it so difficult for us to get on the same page? Um, I'm really, really curious about that. Um, For a day gosh it used to be a principal but I know how that's going right now <laughs> um, Wow I think um, I think maybe I would like to see what it's like to be a uh, a, a CEO of a fortune 500 company mm. I think that would be really interesting um, and to actually see like what kind of actual work they do specifically that others are not doing they're not delegating you know like the actual thing that they are doing from nine to five um i think that would be interesting so something completely outside of education
0: yeah i think it'd be interesting to see how much money they make in one day (laughs) in one day (laughs) well i was going to ask you 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 actually preemptively answered my last question uh but i'm gonna go deeper on it the president calls you Okay, And he says, Chirlane, I want you to come to DC and be the Secretary of Education for this country. And you talked about it a little bit, but to go deeper, what would be your priorities? So you want to know kind of what it's like across the country and how come we can't get our act together and stuff. But at the top, you have, you have some, some control. What would be your priorities for schools and education Across this country, for principals and teachers and students,
1: um, I think so. One would be um, just that uh, that that basic level that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. How do we ensure that students have the basic needs met? They have food. They have clothing, they are in safe places. Um, that's, that's, that's one piece. And I, and I know people may, so, may think, okay, well, that's, um, that's not the job of the schoolhouse, right? Um, the thing is, is that kids can't learn effectively when those basic needs aren't met. I mean, anybody that's been teaching for two days knows that. Um, so we have to do what we can as, as the education entity. Um, so trying to sort of figure out how do we make sure that kids, um, have those things in order to start learning, um, for teachers, oh, sorry, before that, um, every single household will have internet access
0: mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: done. That to me now is the, is the basic civil right. It shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't be, uh, a if you can, it's here it is done. Um, For teachers, one thing that is incredibly important is understanding what culturally responsive teaching looks like and feels like. Um, Teachers have to know uh, what implicit biases, they have to recognize them and own them. They have to continue to be working to understand the students that are sitting in front of them, um, to be able to relate to the families that are in front of them, We have a a population in my district um, uh, is predominantly Latinx, and so you know many of the the teachers do not reflect the student body, Um, and so you have that you have that the cultural differences and you have the linguistic differences, right? So then, how do you begin to communicate with families? You've got to build those relationships somehow, and so understanding how to do that. So I think folks should learn, you know, how to communicate with them learn some mm-hmm. Spanish, learn some mm-hmm. language that you have, right? Um, because that's how people begin to connect, right? Once you've, you you see something about me and you're actually trying to learn about me, well, then I'm actually gonna be able to support you in doing that, right? I'm gonna feel much more comfortable. Um, leaders, I mean, we, we, <laughs> we have to be, as uh, my, my uh, I love Robin uh, Jackson of mind Steps, Inc. And um, she talks about this, this concept of buildership like we are, we're not just leading but we're actually building the the the, the schools and the districts and that building process, um, it, it, it takes It takes energy, it takes investment, it takes um, a mindset that says, you know, I'm not just directing you, but I'm actually walking through this with you. And I think that if we continue to think as leaders um, that that we're we're not we're not the be all and end all of this. I don't have all the answers. There's nothing that's going to happen in a school building that is just going to be because of me and solely because of me. Um, it's a team effort. It's 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 a, a conversations and thought processes that are mesh, meshing together in every single meeting, um, and and we're doing this together. But I think sometimes in leadership, some folks can get uh, um, singularly minded and 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 sort of on a, this tunnel vision, right? That I'm the leader, and I'm directing this, and everything else is going to come out of me. And that's really not true. And it's a dangerous place to be, I think, because then you really don't have the buy-in that you need. And so we have to constantly be thinking about how do we build this together and then celebrate the success when we get there, but always, always looking for that next thing, that next area that we need to work on and grow so that we can continue the process of building.
0: Yeah, We are so on the same page. You know, you you articulate, articulate it differently than how I would say it and think about it. But I'm like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Because it is not just one thing. And I think to summarize that last piece of building leaders and like, what is the purpose of a principal? It it is not to make all the decisions and it is not to do everything. And to your point about what Robin Jackson talks about is it the principal may be the leader at that school for a period of time, but building builders, because once that principal's gone, I mean, that's how I always felt. I never felt that it was my school. I felt that the, the district was allowing me to be a principal there for a period of time. It was the community school because the people living across the street are still there from schools that I used to work at years ago. And I still love that place, but I'm not there anymore. They need to build the work and and and, 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 and go on. So it it is... And superintendents, if you are listening, build in time for your leaders to have time to build themselves, to go go to another state, to send your principals to another county, to go observe other principals, to have conversations with them because Things are happening in other places that I know you can learn from. And those conversations like this conversation uh, I'm learning from and hopefully people that are listening. Well, Trillane, part of this podcast is giving the microphone to my guests and I'm gonna just pass the microphone to you to close it out with any thoughts on leadership and education in schools and kids. And I know you got ideas uh, in you. So here's the microphone.
1: Okay. Well, um, in education, no matter which, uh, which way you serve, always serve from a place of love. Um, if you do not love the children in front of you, if you do not love the work that you have to do, that you have been uh, charged to do, that you get the opportunity to do, then the students will not get everything that they deserve and you know (laughs) kids deserve it yeah Um, kids deserve for us to be in love with who they are and every aspect of who they are and all that they bring to the classroom um seeing their um their 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 assets everything should be think we be thought of from an asset-based approach um we need to look at how uh that the, the things that we might see or think about as, as, as difficulties for us to deal with, how do we turn those around and say, you know what, that kid has a strength in this area, I'm gonna build on that. Um, th- those, are, those are the pieces that I feel like are what, what make classrooms work and that make uh, schools for, uh, as successful. Um, and, and constantly thinking about what do I need to do as an educator um, to, to grow? how can I reflect on my own practice? Um, How can I solicit that feedback and and deal with the tough stuff that comes? It says, you know, you didn't do X, Y, and Z, or you didn't communicate this in the best way, um, and really working hard to make those changes. And then also, I think one of the biggest pieces for me lately um, has been Uh, increasing the size of my professional learning network, Mm -hmm. Um, just connecting with educators, like you were saying, like, you know, superintendents, yes, you should allow us to do that. But at the same time, we have to be the drivers of that in our own work and look and seek out uh, like minded educators, but also those who are not necessarily like-minded because that's where we get uh we we could figure out okay well that works but that's not going to work for my context right um and so connecting with people on 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 social media or whichever ways you possibly can um has been it's 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 really really life-changing it really is and it opens up so many doors of opportunity um it, it allows you to bring um a fresh perspective into your building um and and that for me has been so incredibly beneficial so i I strongly recommend that um and and work hard to take care of yourself so that you can be resilient i have a blog called the resilient educator um and i'm trying to build that up but uh one of the reasons why i chose that word is because um you know everybody has a story right and so using um as much of your story as you can you can being vulnerable as much as you can with your staff, uh, with your families, even uh, at your school, um, will will help to facilitate the relationships and, and continue to build the school that you want it to be.
0: I mean, there, like I said, there is so much wisdom there. Uh, the connection piece, I'm gonna say it again, at Trey Clark leads, um, connect, connect, follow, and then, something that I'm going to add to is then take that conversation to another level. Take it, take it offline. I feel like social media is kind of the, kind of the match.com for educators. No, it's the first date and (laughs) then, all right, we're going to go on another date. And that date is going to be a phone call just between you and I, or, um, or like a group that we, that we create where we can get to know each other better from a leadership and from a human standpoint, so we can learn and continue that learning. Because that learning on social media is that initial kind of like upper crust, and then we, we got to get deeper. So we can kind of, so we can kind of dig in deeper. And uh, I'm confident that the world of education is just starting to hear from from you, my friend. And there's going to be a lot, a lot more coming. And uh, I'm excited to, I'm excited to hear it. So everyone, listening. a
1: great place too.
0: Oh, I, I didn't even plug Voxer. Voxer yeah. is my phone Voxer. number. <laughs> Voxer is just the best place. It is. It's the best place to connect and to learn okay. and to and to deepen that conversation, right. especially when I'm on the West Coast, you're on the East Coast time zones. You have kids, I have kids. I mean, it's you know, it's hard to connect and you can, you can, uh, you can connect and learn from uh, anytime, anywhere, which is awesome. So everyone listening, thank you so much. Hope you are enjoying these leadership principal conversations. And uh, as always, thanks for listening, and I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.
1: Thank you so much.
0: What's up, everyone? Hey, before we go today, I got to give a shout out to... NAESP and NASSP, the National Association of Elementary School Principals and the National Association of Secondary School Principals. If you are not a member of these national organizations, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I was a member of my state organization for years, and I found that I got so much out of the national organization. They have conferences. They have webinars. They have so many different assets and tools for principals that are doing the job. NAESP.org and NASSP.org. Join up, sign up, connect with them on social media. You will not regret it. NAESP.org and NASSP.org are the national organizations for elementary and secondary school principals.